Is this the time I yell, hail West Virginia? Okay, how do I do it? Let's go! Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so I promise to be the most unorthodox preacher you probably ever heard, but here we are now. So there I was. It was the saddest day of my life. It was the saddest day of my life. No, my mom didn't die. My fishing buddy got married. That's sad. It's the worst. It is the worst. You know it's coming. You, and, and then you try to fish a whole bunch right before. And it's never the same. He says it's going to be the same. You know in your heart, you know it's not going to happen. So guys, it just, it just happened. He fell in love and I knew it was, it was, it was time was, the clock was ticking. And I think we fished like twice since he's been married. And every time we just kind of looked at each other like, you know, it's not what it used to be. And, uh, you know, I catch his fish now, and he doesn't, you know. And so, uh, but anyways, it was the day he got married. And I'm there. I wore, I wore a tie. Okay, I tried. You know, forgiveness is about letting it out. I'm just letting it out. This is cathartic for me. So I'm, I'm letting you know, I, I, w- I went to the wedding, which was a big deal because I knew, you know, she's the one who took him from me. And, uh. And so we go to the wedding, and I wore a tie, which you know me is a big deal because, you know, look at me. I'm Duck Dynasty 2.0. And so I wore a tie, and I, I went there, and I was in my truck, and it, you know, just so happens we're at this nice, you know, fancy, high-society wedding venue. And it's, we just have to pass all the creeks and the streams that we used to fish at. It was like this, like, Freudian knife in the back over and over again. I'm like, oh, there's our spot. Memories. And I'm driving, and I'm just, this is, is an emotional thing. You know, guys don't do that. So, you, you know, not, I don't know what you're talking about. What didn't really happen. You know, it was, it was real. Okay, here we are. And so we get to the venue, and we had this little low water crossing. And I'm like, oh, this is great. And I get there, and we, I'm in my truck. We cross the low water crossing. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat. I'm like scoping it out for the next time I sneak into this high society venue and fish at night. And they're not paying attention. And so uh, I get there, and I, and, I, and I see all the nice people, you know, the, the you know, this high society wedding. And they have, like, uh, waiters and food trucks. And it's, like, pretty fancy stuff. And uh, so I, I'm like, okay, I have a nice suit on. No one's going to run me off. I belong here. So. And so we get there, and I get a phone call. And I, my buddy's like, how would you get across the river? I'm like, What river? I know the area. I mean, I, I fish the area. So I'm like, there's no river. What are you talking about? And he's like, you know, come back to the entrance. And so I drive back to the entrance. And what was once a, a low water crossing, which had like an inch of water across. It's a sunny day. Now there's a foot and a half of water. And I'm like, well, here we go. It's wedding day. It's go time. Grandma's got to get across. <laughs> so, we get grandma, and we get, you know, we're, you know, we're getting everybody across. And, you know, it's my day, you know, it's my buddy, it's my man, you know. Like, I'm not going to let a little foot and a half of water stop us. And, man, that, that creek started to rise. <laughs> it start, the water started to rise, people. And uh, it was like every, every ten minutes, it's, it's six inches higher. And then every, you know, in, in an hour, it's like five feet. And so there's like 40 people at the wedding venue, and there's like, you know, another hundred. And it's supposed to be a big, fancy wedding, like high society. There's going to be like. You know, three, four hundred people come to this wedding. There's only 30 people at the venue. Grandma didn't make it. She didn't get across. 
It's all right. You know, she, she tried. She didn't die, people. Calm down. <laughs> but we, here we are now, and it's just like this, this crazy situation. People are like, How, what do we do? And I'm like, and it gets to like five feet higher, and it starts to grow, and the creek starts to go. You start to see trees go. And I'm like, get the high ground. So we all get the high ground, and it's like this, and it was like this crazy thing, like, all these people, like, are now at this wedding, and, like, the, the, you know, the bride did great. She did great. She really did great, because, you know, you, you'd, be, you'd be crying. You're crying now. She, she's, the, and women get up, it's their day, you know, they're turning to bridezilla. It's their day, you know, when you're little kids, you're six years old, you put the pillowcase on your head, and you're like, da, 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 da. And so it, I understand that. I, I, I'm married. I, I, I did it. I, I have a, a wife. And so I understand this is a big day, and she did great. She did really great. I mean, how would you like your wedding venue to turn into Noah's Flood? That's pretty. <laughs> but, you know, she got married, and it was wonderful. But it was like something straight out of Jesus' book. Because all the people that were invited to the wedding didn't get to come. And all the people that weren't invited were in the wedding. <laughs> Literally, like there's the cook, and there's the, the wait, wait staff, and they're all in the pictures of the wedding. It was like something straight out of the, straight out of the gospel was like. And so it was, it was nuts because all the guys, what are we going to do at night? We're going to go down to the river, right, guys? You know, we're not going to you know, sit and wait around. So we go down to the river, and it's just raging. And the cook staff decides to try to drive through it. And we're like, no passe. No bueno. Don't do it. And they're just like, no, it's fine. I'm like, No. And they, d and they take their big box truck full of macaroni and cordon bleu. Not all of it, but remember, you know, you know, there's a lot of people. We ate as much macaroni as we could eat, but we couldn't eat it all. We tried, guys. We tried. But it goes, starts to go down there, and there it goes. It's, it's scary. This is terrifying. This is like something out of Rescue 911 or something like that. And, and, and we're like screaming, and they're screaming, and they, they bail out, and the truck just goes down the river. Bye, truck. And they get rescued, and it's pretty sad. You know, some people actually lost their lives on the creek that night. It was pretty wild. None of our party did, but it was a crazy thing. And this old guy, this old guy, somehow, I don't know where. I'm like, who is this man? He's like, somehow, you know how like, old people just show up, like, in those moments? <laughs> They're like, you have a cane. How did you get out of the creek? And he's just like, he's like, son, don't ever underestimate the power of the river. And I was like, oh, wow. And so, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. The power of the river. Don't ever underestimate the power of the river. I'm glad you're laughing now, because you laugh now, you cry later. It's a little bit of Novocaine before the drill. And so, uh, I've been known to be, uh, be a little intense, so I thought I would get you laughing before crying. So, um, I'll make one promise to you. Like she said, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. So before we, before we go into what we're going to talk about tonight, I want us to pray. And we're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about salvation, and we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the well and the river. So before we do that, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. We pray that in this room... You would be honored. Lord, that you would look upon 
your body of believers, your church, and we would bring pleasure to who you are, that you would look on us and smile. God, we pray the, that your Holy Spirit would move with power. God, we pray that students would be open to hear your word, that you would anoint me as I just try to help. God, I pray that I would decrease and you would increase me in me, Spirit of God. I pray that, they, that he that has ears, they would hear what the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us tonight. Amen. Okay, so we're going to look at two main passages. Go ahead and take out your Bibles. Always bring your Bibles to Chi Alpha. You are privileged to have a Bible. Once you see Middle Eastern believers receive a Bible for the first time, you will always carry your Bible around. It is a privilege. So if you don't have one, I know we have our iPhones and iOS 7.0s and things like that. So get your Bible out. We're going to turn to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is in the New Testament. Uh, it's in the New Testament. We're going to start in the fourth chapter. So John chapter 4. This is in Jesus dealing with the woman of Samaria. How many of you maybe heard this story, the woman at the well? It's a common story. It gets played a lot. But uh, we're going to give it a go. Starting in verse 7. You guys there? You need more time. John 4. You need more time. That's okay. I can wait. I got time. We good now? Sorry. Hey. I'm good. I'm glad. Hey, that's good. Let's start in verse 7. Six, let's go six. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came in to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to her, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For, Jesus, for Jews excuse me, have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, everybody say gift of God, and who it was who said to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to her, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where, did, where then do you get this living water? It's a good question. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as the sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Never thirst. But the water that I shall give in him will become in him a fountain. Some translations say well. A fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Wow. Those are the words of Jesus? Yes? You believe that Jesus said that? I hope so. Otherwise, you might be in the wrong room, but maybe you're learning. So my question, is it true? Are you a well of living water? Are you thirsty? 
Are you a well of living water? Does what God has done inside of you, is it so real and so powerful? Is there so much eternity in it that literally it's springing up inside of you? Is, is Jesus so real to you that He is beginning to manifest through you? Are you a living well? Good question, right? Because this is what Jesus says salvation is. In this passage in John in the fourth chapter, He's talking about salvation. He says salvation is of the Jews. This idea that that in Isaiah, the prophet, he says this, and it's a wonderful scripture, you can turn there in, in another time. Isaiah in the 12th chapter, he says, With joy you will draw waters from the well of salvation. So if you had to sum up your Christian experience with one word, would it be that of joy? Is it joy? Do you have a joy unspeakable? Are you just barely keeping your head up above water? Are, are you like floundering? Are you just making it? Or in reality, are you, as Jesus talks about, a well of living water springing up to eternal life? Now there's a difference, isn't there? And so many people have been uh, inoculated with a form of Christianity that is not vibrant and radiant. It's not overflowing with joy and life. See, that's the thing about a well. Anybody been to the desert? One time I was in Saudi Arabia, it was 118 degrees outside. You could fry an egg on a car. It was hot. You needed like water to go from like the, the car to, the, to just the door. Like you're just like, I got like 30 feet. Okay, three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> You had to change clothes. It was bad. It was hot. You, you ever been thirsty? You ever been desperate? How many of you have maybe gone a day without water? Two, three. Really, Americans, come on. Y'all go crazy when your AC goes out. Y'all have AC here? No. Okay, so where I'm from, in Texas, the Great Republic, I knew I was going to get in there somehow. AC is a big deal. Anybody from Texas? We got one, two, three, four. There's four of us. We're taking over. Five. Anybody else want to be honest? I know there's only five because if you're from Texas, you automatically, yeah, that's me, that's me, I'm proud. That's right. I didn't. All right. But AC is a big deal because we're selfish. You know, we, we need. You guys don't want to know what it's like for it to be 100 degrees and 200% humidity out there. Yeah, it's hot. But there's, there's been times in, my, in, in working in Texas where I get so thirsty. So I understand that in this Middle Eastern concept, a well is the most important thing in all the village. Did you know that? Are you the most important thing in your circle? Are people coming to you because they're desperate for God. Are people coming from all over, all distances to you because you have such an intimacy and vibrant relationship with God that people are drawn to you just like if you were a well of water. Jesus says that this is eternal life. 
this well springing up that God would come and live inside of you. That you would have such a vibrant, powerful relationship with God that you would be a living well. That's a whole lot different than just getting by. But that literally eternal life is springing up inside of you. The scriptures talk about Christ in you, the hope of glory. That the entire point of Christianity is that God lives inside of you. What? Did you understand what I just said? God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who spoke the world into existence, the God of the cosmos, comes and dwells inside of us. That's what makes Christianity unique among every other worldview and religion. Is that our God comes and lives inside of us. We don't have to work our way to God. We don't have to appease the heavens through our own efforts, through our own works. But rather, Jesus comes and dwells in our hearts by faith. The scriptures say this is eternal life. If you, if you need to know, this is eternal life. That you might know thee the one true God, and Jesus whom he has sent. That's eternal life, to know God. That's what something nobody can take from you. Nobody can take from you your intimacy and knowledge with God. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Why do we complicate it? Paul says, don't let anybody perplex you or, or distract you from the simplicity that is the gospel. Do you know God? That is the gospel. That through what Jesus has done on the cross of Christ, you can now have intimate knowledge of God. You can know God. You can know Him. And if you know God, then you, just like she was talking about, you have rest for your souls. There is a refreshment. There is a source of eternal life that begins to spring up inside of you. Scriptures talk about this is like a divine union. That you can no longer tell where he starts and you begin. What? You mean that God's personality and your personality can be, there can be like infusion? Do you believe that? Now we're in the, we're still in the south, right? This is kind of the, where's the Mason-Dixon line? We're not in the south. Are we, we're, we're above it. You're telling me I'm speaking to Yankees. We're below, we're good, so we're good. So we have sweet tea here. Good. I'm just making sure. I don't know where I'm. This is a new place for me. So you have tea. Real, sim we're real simple. Let's just talk tea. I mean, diabetes is a big deal. Let's, let's drop the sugar for tonight. Just talk about tea. There's two essential elements in tea. What are they? See, some of you still added the sugar. So no, stay to say no to the sugar for just for tonight. There's two essential elements in tea. Water and tea. Yes, very simple sermon tonight, but good. Your Christianity, it's very simple. It's you and God. It's you and God. What happens when you put tea leaves into tea? Into water, excuse me. What happens when you put tea into water? Two become one. There begins to be an infusion. And in the same way, in the same way when we have intimacy with God, 
there begins to be an infusion of his personality into yours. And that is, that is eternal life. That you begin to know God and his character begins to be your character. You ever seen people, they begin to be, they, they hang, they're friends for, for a long time. What begins to happen? You know? Yeah, they become like each other. There's a likeness, there's a, resi a, a resilience, there's an infusion of personality. And it's the same way. That's what intimacy with God is. That you can know God. You can personally know the God of the universe. And His beauty and His majesty and His glory will become yours. And that's what the Bible calls salvation. That we're no longer dead in our trespasses and sins. The scriptures say he that is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. That sounds pretty like a pretty amazing deal. Well, Jesus means God saves. God is our Savior. And that if we repent and turn from all of our known sin and put our absolute trust and reliance in this intimacy with God, then we'll be able to experience this new birth. The scriptures say that if any man, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And this is what this new birth looks like. I know we're going basic tonight, but I really feel in my heart that before we understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we have to understand salvation. Before we understand the power of the river, we need to understand the life of the well. And so let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Repeat after me. All Christians have the Holy Spirit. All have the Holy Spirit. Wow. So you believe that? I believe that. So Christians have the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's what makes you a Christian. That's God's mark. That's God's seal is the Spirit of God in you. It is the Spirit that brings salvation. Gospel of John in the third chapter, Jesus tells us that the flesh profits nothing. That it is the Spirit that gives life. Jesus says, the words that I speak to you, they are Spirit and they are life. It is the Spirit of God that regenerates. It is the Spirit of God that sanctifies. It is the Spirit that cleanses. It is the Spirit that brings life. Just like you and the Spirit, you can have intimacy with God. And that's what salvation is. So, well, some people, they talk about this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Who's heard that term? Maybe a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so, some people are, are, are confused about what this means. Is this the same thing as salvation? And we're here to tell you tonight that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is very simply this. It's more of the same God you already know. You see, if you have eternal life through Jesus Christ, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, the same, is more of the same Spirit you already know. Well, that sounds incredible, doesn't it? Because if you know God, if you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, if you know anything of the power and the beauty and majesty of God's Spirit and His presence, if you've ever experienced the presence of God, ever, just one time, I believe, it's like you become desperate for it, don't you? 
Like it's like the voice of everyone you've ever loved somehow coalesces into one sound. It's like every good memory you've ever had. Think of like that moment, the hallmark moment with you and your dad. and your, It's just like that Christmas morning, that incredible thing. It's just like somehow coalesces into this majestic tornado of goodness. And you're just like, I'm with you. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing. So when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're just saying that we want more of the same God. And that's actually how it, it started. You go all the way back to the beginning of the apostles. Jesus tells these men who already believed in him, who already had seen his resurrection and his, and his power. He tells these same men, he goes, wait. Wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. Were they believers? Absolutely. You don't get any more of a believer than those guys. They're seeing Jesus. They're like, I, I was there. You're like, you read about it, they saw it. They were eyewitnesses to this event, eyewitnesses to this man. And yet he tells those people, the same people that saw all of his glory, all of his miracle, all of his work, he tells them to wait in Jerusalem until they receive power. Well, if they need to wait for power, how much more than we shall we, right? He tells them, now what's this word for power? Would you agree that power is needed? Would you agree there's a great task at hand? Yeah. Power is needed. That word for power is dunamis. It's the word for dynamite. That means if God has power for us, it's like dynamite power. And this is what's so, so awesome. Some people, you know, even tonight, they'll come up to me and they'll be like, well, I, I think I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, Brother Kyle. And I'll be like, well, that's wonderful. But did you think dynamite went off? You have to advertise dynamite. <laughs> Does that work? It's like, I thought dynamite went off. Does that work? No. You'll know that dynamite goes off. Your neighbors will know. The cops will know. Your cat will know. Everybody will know that dynamite went off. And it's the same way with the baptism of love. A baptism of power. Everyone will know. There's going to be a little bit of trouble. There's going to be a little bit of, of disorder. It's going to be a little messy. But yet there's a power. The word is dunamis, the dynamite power of God. This is what the scriptures teach us. That it's dynamite power of God. Now, it also talks, so it talks about, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power on the outside but also power on the inside. It says you shall be endued with power. That literally means clothed with power. Why am I talking about power? Why am I talking about power? Because as a whole in America, the church of God is powerless. It's powerless. And I don't say that flippantly, and I don't say that after years and decades of service. I believe God is raising up a group of men and women who are desperate to see the power of God released again. They don't want to read about it in old books, but they want to live it. So this is the secret I've learned. God in His wisdom couples His power with His purity. 
it says over and over again in the scriptures that he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire in the Bible is a symbol of purity and refinement and sanctification and purity. And, and, and like it cleanses and purifies this all out and prepares us for the task at hand. Doesn't the Holy Spirit do that? The Holy Spirit is very good at convicting people of sin. No, yes. Some of you say, don't be self-righteous now. First step towards God is always honesty. How many of you have always just been like trying to stuff stuff down? You're just like, oh, I can't believe that preacher got my number. The preacher's telling me everything that I'm doing. It's like mom emailed him or something. It's like the Holy Spirit is bringing stuff up to the surface. The scriptures tell us that the, he, the Holy Spirit, will convince the world of sin. He always knows how to reach our conscience, doesn't he? He always speaks to our conscience. And he always asks us these two simple questions ever since the garden. Where are you? What have you done? It's the same questions from the Echo of Eden. But we should never seek power without purity. God in his wisdom couples power with purity. But let us turn, not to my words, but to the words of Jesus. John in the seventh chapter. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried and said, If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. A little background here. This is the feast to commemorate Moses in the wilderness. You know the story? Moses is in the wilderness with the Jews. It's really hot. They're wandering. They've been going in circles. Their people are going to die. The kids are going to die. It's really bad, folks. And Moses speaks to the rock. And God released water in the wilderness and everyone survived. And that's at this festival that Jesus... So the high priest is carrying the pitcher up from the pool of Siloam. He's, watch, he's marching up the stairs to the temple, to the outer courts. He's celebrating this festival, this time. And it's in the middle of this religious festival celebrating this event with Moses that the rabbi, Jesus, stands up with a loud voice and goes, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Wow. There would have been the biggest awkward silence in the history of silences. Can you imagine in the middle of communion, you standing up and going, I'm the wafer. (laughs) That's what he's doing. In the middle of this festival, he stands up and he goes, if any man thirsts, let him come to me. And out of his innermost being will flow rivers, not one river, but multiple. Now what's more powerful, a well or rivers? 
Yeah, so obviously Jesus is speaking about something different than just a well springing up to eternal life. This is an empowerment. This is an overflow. This is what Ezekiel the prophet prophesied, that there would be life wherever the river touches. In fact, you, you go out through the scriptures and the river is always a symbol of God's power and His Spirit pouring out and providing provision for the multitudes in the nations. And Jesus spoke concerning the Holy Spirit. Now how many of you, maybe you were raised in a church and you know, the Holy Spirit maybe was said in like a creed, but you never ever really maybe even heard a sermon on Him. I mean, honesty, yeah, that's, that's you know, some people, this is a number one, be- one of the number one bestsellers is Francis Chan wrote a book called Forgotten God. We just don't talk about the Holy Spirit like we should. He's the third person of the Trinities. He's God, people. Have you ever taken a moment and told the Holy Spirit that you loved Him? Oh, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Have you ever told the Holy Spirit that you love Him? You want to take 10 seconds? I don't want to go any further without telling the Holy Spirit that we love Him. Holy Spirit, we love you. Holy Spirit, we just... We're sorry that people don't treat you as you should. We just commit right now from as men and women who want to know you more. We love you and we're we're grateful for you, Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit, didn't he? In fact, I've seen a lot of people drinking lately. (laughs) And you all know Jesus turned water into, yeah, so you all knew that miracle in Morgantown. And you all knew that one. Got that one Mark referenced. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. But that's only in one gospel, isn't it? Gospel of John, second chapter. You believe Jesus is born of a virgin? You celebrated Christmas, right? Hallmark cards for everybody. You know that's only in two gospels, the virgin birth. Jesus talks about that he's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. I wonder how many Gospels that's in. All four Gospels that Jesus is called the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. That's technically more Gospel than the virgin birth. That's technically more Gospel than him turning water into wine. Are you kidding me? And I'm going to help you remember it forever, forever, all you millennials. You ready? All the millennials. Attention spans of seven seconds. Here we go. Hashtag 3131. Hashtag. Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever you got to do. Hashtag 31. Matthew 3. Mark 1. Luke 3. John 1. Matthew 3. Mark 1. Luke 3. John 1. You'll never forget it. You'll be like, what that bearded duck dynasty guy said about the Holy Ghost? There it is. You'll never forget it. 3131. It's there over and over again. Jesus, John the Baptist says that the one coming, Jesus, is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. It's there in every gospel. That's what we call a title of Christ. You believe Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The Lamb of God. You believe He's the Good Shepherd, the Great Resurrection. He's, he's the Resurrection and the Life. 
He's the door. We believe all of these wonderful things that Jesus said. Then we should believe that he also is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. So we have to ask ourselves, well, this sounds wonderful. This sounds great. But, you know, some people, you know, they get, they get kind of like weird about the Holy Spirit. And I just, I just calm everybody down. It's more of the same God you already know. I don't try to push people with this. Because who's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit? Am I ever supposed to step into his job? No, he baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It's not my job. It's not your small group leader's job. It's not your resource leader's job. But Jesus is the baptizer. He does it. And why? Why does he baptize us with the Holy Spirit? We all agree power is needed. In the Acts in the second chapter, the early church is baptized with the Holy Spirit. They come out with all power and authority and begin to preach the gospel. And thousands of people get saved. How would you like to do with 3,000 people in one altar call? That's a good altar call. <laughs> Billy Graham, that's pretty good. You know, that's pretty amazing stuff there. What do the people say? These people are drunk. Why did they think they were drunk? Tonight we're going to see some drunk people out on the street. Drunk people are loud. Aren't they? They're loud. Are you loud? Are you loud with the gospel? Can you not help but speak about all the things that you heard? Has the eternal life been springed up inside of you such a way that you can't help but talk about Jesus? You love Jesus. You're passionate about Jesus. You're always talking about Him. You see that? Why, that's that, that's that, why they accused them of being drunk. Is They, they were loud. They were, they, were, they were vibrant. They were radiant about the gospel. You see that? Now, what, what, you know, what else do you see drunk people? You see a buck 25 drunk man try to face off a 300-pound Marine. What would you say to me? Come on, man. You'll see that. You'll see this tiny little guy face this huge guy because he's had too much to drink. That's a boldness. They call it liquid courage, don't they? You see what I'm talking about here? Do you have any of that in you? Has this Holy Spirit of God done anything inside of your heart with such power and anointing that you have a boldness? You have a courage? You have a fire inside of you that you can stand before your sweet mates and your dorm mates and you can declare the wonders of God's grace and goodness. You see, there's a loudness, there's a boldness to it. And then, there's a, and then what else? You see somebody, you know, on the plane right here, this lady had too much to drink. And she was talking to me and by the end of it, she's like, you're, you're just so great. And she put her arm around and I was like, oh, I'm married, hello, hello, Mary, but... Okay, purity standards, but she, there was like this, like this friendship stuff. And I know I'm speaking on like, like in reference to these alcoholic things, and I, by no means am I condoning that kind of lifestyle, but what I'm telling you is there should be a loudness to you. There should be a courage to you. That people, when they, when they interact with you, they should feel like you're the best friend they ever had. And it is only through the power of the Holy Spirit 
That's why Paul tells us in Ephesians, do not be drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. You could translate it, be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Oh, how this town needs that. I mean, I've only been here for 24 hours, and yet my heart is, uh, it's, this place is spiritually dark, and I commend you for walking in the light of the gospel here. I've seen so many people that have been drunk, and, and what does that tell us? The Bible tells us very simply, it means this. The scriptures say, give strong drink to those who are perishing. And all those people that are desperate for strong drink, and it shows inwardly that they're perishing. It's a testimony that they have not found the eternal well. They have, they're not satisfied with the wine that comes from heaven. Would you stand with me all over this room? And if I could have... Uh, the worship team come back before we respond. A lot of people, they'll say, well, this sounds wonderful. I want this power. I want this baptism of the Holy Spirit. But they'll go, well, why does the Bible over and over again talk about tongues? What's that? Why? I want the Holy Spirit, but I don't, I don't want the tongues. That's, that's different to me. And I'll say very, very simply, it just means this. Tongues is the language of surrender. Has your tongue got you in trouble? Oh, oh my God, yes. You ever said a word and you're just like, ah! <laughs> back in my mouth. I didn't mean it, mama. I'm sorry, daddy. You know, it's, just, it's the symbol of our rebellion and pride, isn't it? The epistle of James says the tongue is a world of iniquity set on fire by hell. It's the smallest member, yet it controls the entire body. Yeah, it's a small little bit in a horse and it tells the horse where to go. It's a small rudder on a ship, but it tells the boat where to go. It's a small fire, but it sets the whole forest ablaze. The tongue is a, rebel is a symbol of our rebellion and pride. And the epistles say this, who can tame the tongue except God? And in the gospel, God turns the symbol of our rebellion and pride. And he makes it a fountain of intimacy with him. For the scriptures say that he who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Some of you have never heard any of this, and you need to read Paul's epistle to the Corinthian church. It's 12th and 13th, 14th chapter. So tonight, we're going to give us an opportunity for two very simple things. We're going to invite you to the well of salvation where you can experience the joy of real eternal life found through the shed blood of Jesus Christ.
And we're going to invite you to this front as a symbol of surrender, as a, as a symbol of saying, God, I want the joy of my salvation. Some of you had a spring break that dishonored God. And it's not my job to bring any kind of guilt or shame. Or, the Holy Spirit's better at, his, at, at that than me. But He will bring to your mind and to your heart right now the areas that need to be brought under the shed blood of Jesus. And some of us, we've experienced the well of salvation. But we need to experience the power of the river. If any man thirsts, I'm speaking to the thirsty. I'm speaking for the heart that's not satisfied with where they're at. If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. There'll be a, a welling up of intimacy and love and adoration. And you can't help but verbally express it. And there's not enough words in the English language to do the pierced son of God justice. And there, get, there begins to be a point in your worship and your adoration for who God is that you cannot help but just pour out your heart and love to Him. So we're going to invite you now with all head open and everybody looking around because I don't believe in bowing or ducking or things like that. I just I believe in calling people to God publicly. publicly. So if you, if you know that you need to experience the wells of salvation, we invite you to come forward. And if you also, if you want to be filled and baptized with the love of God and filled with the power of the river of the Spirit, we invite you to come. And if we could have like resource leaders and small group leaders to pray for people, that would be wonderful. But let's, let's go ahead and respond now. We, we invite you to come. And let's pray as we respond. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. We invite you to come and respond to the Lord. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you're the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. We as a group of people want to say we want more of you tonight. We want more of God than we had yesterday. We want more tomorrow than we had today. God, create a, thunk, a hunger and a thirst for more of you and more of your spirit. Create this hunger in us, God. Hunger for more of you.